We're just going to keep this fun going this morning. How about that? You know, kids can't have it all by themselves. Hey, thanks again for joining us this morning, especially if it is your first time with us, first time in a long time. Uh, if you entrusted us with your kiddos throughout the week, thanks for doing that. Uh, it was an incredible week. We loved every second of it. We're grateful for it. Uh, we're excited this morning to continue in our uh, summer sermon series entitled Desire. Uh, let me pray for us as we do that, and we'll kind of dive into these crazy antics up here uh, on the stage. God, thanks for being a God of laughter and joy and, uh, and happiness, Father God. Uh, we also know that you're the God of truth and that your word is truth and that with just one word from you, God, you could change our lives forever. And so we ask now that as we open up your word, you would speak truth to us. It wouldn't just be something that we, that we read on a page, but it'd be something that would pierce our hearts and change us for the better and change us for all of eternity. Make it so. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, my wife, Beck, and I, we love to go to the movies. You know, there are movie buffs out there. Just have to go to that little black box of mystery, I like to call it. Lights dim, speakers cranked up, right? Anticipation just overwhelming. And your hope is that for the next two hours or so, you will not only be entertained, but hopefully you will also be inspired. Hopefully you will be amazed, possibly transported to a completely different world. It's nothing quite like the movies. So we put up a few posters here. It's our best attempt at trying to recreate the movie feel for you. Hopefully you're, hopefully you're there right now. Well, now that we have little ones, we don't make it out to the movies quite as often as we would like. Now we rely pretty heavily on Netflix. So a few weeks ago, I was updating my queue, right? They send you different movies based upon the ones that you have requested. And I, I was having trouble finding some new ones because the ones they suggest for me now all invo involve purple singing dinosaurs and fairy princesses. Uh, someone hacked into my account. I think I know who that someone is. So I clicked on the link entitled Netflix Top 100. Have you ever done that before? It's the top 100 movies that are the most popular since the creation of Netflix. And these are the top 10. These have been requested and rented more than any other. Not sure if you can read them all, uh, but you've got things on there like The Departed. You've got uh, Walk the Line. You've got uh, Pursuit of Happiness, Crash. Of course, you got a Nicholas Sparks movie in there, right? I mean, you've got all of those movies, Devil Wears Prada. You've got all of those on there. Chances are you've seen them. That's what made them the top 10. Now, I have to admit that I have seen them. I've seen all of them, even the girly ones. But I have to admit something else to you. And this, this might offend the movie critics out there, so I apologize ahead of time. But after watching all 10 of these different movies, I honestly think that the essence of all of them is exactly the same. But don't, don't hurt me. Okay, don't hurt me. But I think it could actually be argued that the essence of these 10 is the essence of all the movies that we are drawn to throughout all of time. Movies up here, Annie, uh, you've got the, uh, the Hunger Games, Lord of the Rings, even Braveheart, Titanic, Casablanca. I mean, all these great movies that we just love. I think the essence of them is all exactly the same. Sure, there are different characters, different crises. Sure, there are different scenes, different special effects. But at the heart of these movies, they have one thing in common. They speak to a deep desire in your heart. They all speak to a desire that you have deep in your heart. So this summer here at West Bowles, we're doing a series entitled Desire. Sorry, I'm blocking it, but it, it will be worth it here in a second. And we're talking this summer about the seven core longings of the human heart, the seven things that God has placed in each and every human heart and things that you can't run away from or suppress because that's what you've been made for. 
That's how you've been created. And so you can't turn away. You have to find satisfaction to those desires. And the Lord says, in his hands is the only place you'll find it. So this morning is devotion. See, I think all of these movies have one thing in common, and it's the desire for devotion. All these movies speak to this idea, whether to the girl, to the team, or to the mission, that someone is playing with, fighting for, or giving their whole lives to something or someone. And aren't we drawn to this? We love this idea. We're intrigued and inspired by those who are willing to lay it all down and give it all up. Those who have this unwavering focus, this uncanny determination. From Frodo Baggins to Daddy Warbucks to Katniss Everdeen to my personal favorite. And this is who I think epitomizes devotion more than any other movie character out there. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I mean, if you want your average suburban middle-class strip mall to be protected, this is the guy for the job. I mean, does this not scream devotion to you people? Yeah, it really doesn't to us either, but it's the only one Elvis Theater would give us. So it was like, all right. All right, John, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. But in all seriousness, we're drawn. We're drawn to those whose hearts burn with unbridled passion. We're amazed and attracted to those who are completely devoted to something. I mean, that's why that superstar athlete, right, who, who practices in the rain and en endures all the pain, that's why we're drawn to them. That's why we're, we're drawn to the people who will, who will climb Everest, who will give it all up to, to scale a mountain of that size. That's why we feel the way we do after reading a Nicholas Sparks book. That's why we share videos uh, of documentaries and stories of those who have overcome every obstacle to achieve their dreams. It boils down to devotion. You know why you love to watch devotion in the movies? Because it's inside of you. You've been created to live for it yourself. But we don't have to look to the movies for this. We could look to the real world. We get glimpses of it in different places. In 1964, a group of Nepalese fighters known as the Gurkhas, they were asked if they would jump from airplanes into combat against the Indonesians. Well, the Gurkhas didn't have great technology. They'd never done this before. They didn't clearly understand what was being involved, but they all agreed to do it. So the parachutes are being placed on their backs, and the Gurkhas all stop and say, oh, wait, 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 you didn't mention parachutes were part of the deal. See, it was devotion. It was dedication. Years ago, Catholic priests were trying to find a way to spread the gospel in China, only to be turned away at every turn. Well, one night, one of the priests went missing off of the boat. He came back a couple days later. He says, I've got great news. I've found a way in. The very next day, all the priests sold themselves, sold themselves into slavery so they could minister behind the walls in China. You see, that's dedication. That's devotion. And we long for it. We love to watch it. We love to hear about it. But if I'm honest with you, my life doesn't really reflect it all too well. Let me open up my life for you a little bit here. Most of my life has been lived in stark contrast to that word, devotion and dedication. Words like distracted and diverted seem more appropriate for me. I think about sports. I quit every sport back in high school because they got too hard. They demanded too much and asked for too much, so I gave up. I think about school, especially college. I don't know about you, but I didn't exactly run out and buy all the suggested reading books. I didn't even buy the required reading books. But I learned how to coast. I learned how to cram. I started as a biology major. I wanted to be a dentist. 
Oh, yes, open up, open wide. But then I took the first class of biology, 121 cell biology, and I hated every second of it. It was too hard. So I quit, and I joined all the athletes in communication. I think about relationships, though. I barely stay in contact with my old friends, especially those from high school and college. We were so close. But besides the occasional Facebook reminder, I wouldn't even know it's their birthday. And now, now in relationships, I'm pretty distracted by so many other things when people are standing right in front of me. I tried to learn to play the guitar a couple times. Then my fingers started hurting, so I gave up on that. There are numerous pieces of workout equipment, several exercise DVDs laying in my living room. Gave up on those. Man, I sound like a loser right now, don't I? <laughs> on paper, that didn't sound so bad. But now, now that it's out there, it's like, wow, wow. But you see, I really haven't been that devoted, that dedicated to anything. And a lot of us can relate, right? We all love the new boyfriend or girlfriend until someone more attractive rolls around. We're all super excited about the new car until that first door ding or scratch or black bean explosion in the back. You can ask me about that later. Uh, we're all devoted to a certain hobby or a certain job or a certain class as long as it doesn't take or require too much extra work. We're all pretty excited about the team or the cause till the team loses or the cause isn't cool anymore. Distracted, diverted, those are words that describe most of us. And yet our hearts ache for more. Doesn't your heart ache for more? Don't you want to see and be a part of something that, that requires devotion? Doesn't your heart burn to be passionate and dedicated to something? To live for something that is so much bigger than you, that requires and demands all of you, and that's actually worthy of all of you. Don't you want that? Because I know that I do. Devotion and dedication, they aren't things you're supposed to enjoy at the movies. They're things that you were made to experience yourself. Don't look to the movies for devotion and dedication. You should look to the mirror for dedication and devotion. Because you see, we serve a passionate, loyal, dedicated God. And nowhere is that more evident than at the cross. Right? As I stare at the cross, God is saying so many things to us. In this moment, he's saying he loves us unconditionally. In this moment, he's telling us how horrible the consequences of our selfishness and short-sightedness truly are. In this moment, he is saying that justice and mercy and love and wrath, somehow they can all exist in harmony. But he's also saying something else. You know what else he's saying in this moment? He's saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm completely dedicated to you, Thomas. I'm completely devoted to you, Thomas. My loyalty will never stop for you, Thomas. See, on the cross, God proved his devotion to us. On the cross, he convincingly proved his commitment to us. In John 15, 13, it says that no greater love has ever been expressed than this moment right here, that a man would lay his life down for his friends. There has never been a better portrayal of passion than this. There's be never been a better display of devotion in the world than this. Hanging on the cross, Jesus says, this is how serious I am. This is how loyal I am. This is how dedicated I am. This is how committed to you I am. I love that everything Jesus said before the cross with his lips, he sealed with his, with his blood on the cross. He says, I'm all in. I'm all in. And guess what? You've been made. You've been fashioned and formed, handcrafted by this God. You have been made to reflect the same qualities of God. He has hardwired you to model and make known things like dedication, devotion, and loyalty. Devotion is in your DNA. Passion is part of who you are. 
And this world, this world that's so plagued by, I don't know, half-heartedness, mediocrity, boredom, this world needs you, Christian, to step up and to live a passionate, devoted, dedicated life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like leftovers? You know those extra slices of pizza in the fridge, that half-eaten Chipotle burrito, right? It's like, gosh, I love me some leftovers. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I go in, I open it up, it's like, yes! I don't have to think very hard, I don't have to work very hard, and I'm about to get my feast on, right? Leftovers. But there's a different kind of leftovers. I call them life leftovers. When Becca and I are struggling in our marriage, we can almost always point to the fact that we haven't been giving each other our first, our best, our complete selves. Right? When we're off in our marriage or off with our kids, it's because we've become lazy and lackadaisical in our love. And so we decided to call all of that mess our leftovers. So all we have to say to each other is, Becca, I, th I think you're giving me your leftovers. Thomas, I think you're giving me your leftovers. And I'm sure God loves a, a cold slice of pizza, two days old, whatnot, but I don't think he likes life leftovers. In fact, I know for a fact he doesn't like life leftovers. He doesn't want you to give anyone, let alone him, your second best, your scraps. He wants you to give him your best. Jesus said it, didn't he? This is our text for the morning, Matthew 22, 37. When asked what was most important, when asked what God wanted, Jesus said, simple, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Man, I wish I could just chalk this up. It's like Jesus exaggerating. It's like, you are so funny, Jesus. You say the strangest things to get a rise out of the crowd. You crazy man. All of my heart, all of my soul, whoo, all my strength, all my mind. Wow, okay, Jesus, really, really, what you looking for? How do I coast through this class? Okay, that's the suggested reading list. Got it. But what do I really have to do? But you see, Jesus always said what he meant, and he always meant what he said. You've heard me say this before, but do you know what the original Greek word there is for all? All. <laughs> That's what it says. It says all. God wants all of us. He wants us to be fully devoted, completely dedicated to him. He wants all of our hearts and emotions. He wants all of our thoughts. He wants all of our energy. He wants all of our dreams and hopes. He wants our lives, our faith, our relationship to him to look like one of these poster boards. He wants us to be passionate, devoted, loyal, dedicated. He doesn't want us to watch it in the movies. He wants us to see it in the mirror. You see, God didn't hold back. God didn't go halfway. God didn't love me to a certain point and then quit when it got too hard. God didn't give up when things got too demanding. God didn't check out. God doesn't only serve me on Sundays. So why do I do that for him? Why am I returning his favor with this favor? You see, life, all of life, but especially life in Christ, it's not meant to be done half-heartedly. Think about this. Devotion and loyalty, they're really all-or-nothing propositions, aren't they? A wife who's 85% loyal to her husband isn't loyal at all. A husband who's 85% devoted to his wife isn't devoted at all. You're either all in or you're not in at all. It wasn't meant to just do occasionally. It wasn't meant to just do when you have time for it. Life wasn't meant to be done that way. It was meant to be done with passion and zeal. With all of you. I know it sounds extreme. I know it sounds intense. But that's how you've been made. That's how you have been created. That's why you flock to the movies to watch shows like this. Because deep down in your heart, you desire to be devoted 
and to have somebody be devoted to you. That's what you want so bad. That's because you have a passionate, devoted, zealous God who made you to live a passionate, devoted, zealous life. And until you do, it's just gonna feel off. It's just gonna feel kind of weird. So those words, passionate, loyal, zealous, devoted, uh, you know, do they describe you? Do they describe your life as a whole? Do they, do they describe your life in Christ? Or are you kind of coasting right now through life? Kind of coasting through your marriage, kind of coasting through raising your kids, kind of coasting through your coursework, kind of coasting through your Christianity. Are you coasting? And I know why we coast, right? We're afraid of, of, of what it will cost if we decide to go all in with Jesus. We're worried about what others are gonna think or say if we crank up that commitment level to Jesus. We're nervous we won't like what we find or we'll be disappointed with what we get in return if we dedicate ourselves all to Jesus. So just play it safe, just give a little bit. Don't get too involved, don't become a Jesus freak. I mean, come on, the kids can sing it, but adults are, no, 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 no. Right? I get it, I get it. But that hesitation, that hesitation that you and I have to not go all in, guess who it's hurting? It's hurting us. That hesitation is hurting us. Think about this for a second with me. Why would God demand all of us? Why would he ask for everything we are and all that we have? Is it for his benefit? Does he need it? He's like, listen, I'm kind of an insecure God, and if you don't give me everything, I'm going to think you're not really devoted to me, and so I'm kind of worried about this, so I need it all. No, no, no. He doesn't need us to affirm him. He doesn't need us to let him know who he is or what he's worthy of. He always knows that. Why would he say, give it all? Whose benefit is that for, his or ours? His insistence on our wholehearted devotion, it's for our benefit, not for his. Loving God with all of our hearts is the only way to be human. It's funny, you might think that a passionate desire for God is like a gift that you give to God. No, it's a gift that he's given to you. He has enabled you and asked you and called you to be passionately devoted to him. And that's the greatest gift he could have ever given to you. Because when you open that gift... When you enjoy that gift, when you return that gift back to him, you will experience the abundant life Jesus was talking about. See, this is weird how it happens, but it always happens. I begin to love and have more passion for everything else in life as I begin to grow in my love and passion for the Lord. It's weird, but I begin to love Becca more as I fall in love with Jesus more. I begin to love my friends and family more after I fall more in love with the Father. I begin to love snowboarding and golf and traveling more when I fall more in love with God. I begin to love the honey-do list more. No, I never, I never. <laughs> nope. But you see, as my devotion to God increases, so does my devotion to everything else. As my, as my love for God increases, so does my love for everything else. As my capacity to be all in with God increases, so does my capacity to be all in with everything else. But the opposite is not true. If you give God everything, he will give everything to you in return. But if you give something else everything, it will take everything from you. Does that make sense? I mean, I asked the guy who completely lost his family because he was so devoted to his work, he lost everything else. He gave his all but he gave his all to the wrong thing. He gave his all to this thing and it took everything. Ask the girl who destroyed her mind or her body because she was so dedicated to looking a certain way, maintaining a certain image. She gave her all to something and it ended up taking everything. Ask the corporate exec who lost his business because he was so committed to making more money. Yes, he had passion. Yes, he had zeal. Yes, he was committed, but it was to the wrong thing and ended up taking everything. That's why Jesus says, come to me. And when you give me your all, I will make you like a wellspring of living water. 
Not only will I fill you up, but I will plant a stream inside of you so you start to be filled with more water so it starts to flow outside of you. Everything else is like a dry well. You pour all you have into everything else and it's gonna take, 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 take until you're totally done. But Jesus, you give him your all and he's gonna fill you back up with all you can handle and all you want and then some. But if you pursue anything else with the fervor and the passion and the devotion that you've been created to give to God, you're going to be left pursuing nothingness and ultimately you're going to become nothing. A passionate life, a devoted life, a dedicated life, a Paul Blart life. This is what we've been made for. And it will actually bring us life. The Bible is full of examples that that prove this to us. Men and women who have shown that passion and zeal and dedication, they bring us life. Think about the first disciples. They literally dropped everything for Jesus. Oh, Drop this, okay, drop, okay, my job, my phone, my, my hopes, my plans, my family, drop it all. They gave everything they had to Jesus, and what did they get in return? They got the world in return. They got eternal life in return. I think of the Apostle Paul, he gave up this brilliant career, incredible financial advantages. He gave up a position of, of, of grace and ease and comfort, and instead he willingly sacrificed and suffered for the Lord. He gave it all to Jesus, and what did Jesus give him in return? Everything. He gave him life now and forever. Or I think of Mary of Bethany in Matthew 26. A woman comes to Jesus. She's got this huge jar of perfume worth $10,000 and she cracks it open on Jesus' feet and she says, you can have it all, Jesus. It's all for you. I don't count the cost. I'm not weighing my options. I'm not hedging my bet. I view all of my life, Jesus, in view of you. You're at the center of it all and you can have it all. And what did she get? She got it all back. She got life now and forever. I'm so fascinated by those stories. I hope that you're fascinated by them as well because that's how we've been made to live. You're not supposed to just go watch it at the movies. You're supposed to see it in the mirror, this passion, this zeal, this devotion. So what might this look like for us? Let's wrap this up this morning. What does zeal and passion and intensity look like for us? Well, maybe I should invite you all on the stage to sing and we'll, we'll stand up here and we'll, okay, doesn't sound like you're down for that. So there's gotta be something else then. But how can we demonstrate this type of same passion, right? That this same type of, of, of loyalty and commitment and reckless awe. There was a little girl, Jesse's little girl was standing right here, man, and she was like, <laughs> like, yes, I want that for me. When did I grow out of that? When did I think that was childish? I want that back. So how do I get it back? Two suggestions for you. One I would say is focus. This week I want you to focus more on what God has already done for you and less on what you think you're supposed to be doing for God. And this sounds kind of weird. I get it. It's, it's kind of counterproductive, especially in a sermon that's saying, be more radical for Jesus. You would expect the preacher to be like, now get out there and get to work. But you see, this passion, this zeal, it doesn't come out of a, a desire to work harder. It comes out of a desire to love God with the same love that he has for me. Does that make sense? Marveling and enjoying God's devotion is the only way to start devoting yourself more fully to him. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us. The love that Christ has for you, the love that Christ proved he, he will always have for you, the love of Christ as seen on the cross, that love, that's what kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone to get up here and rock out the stage. It's the love of Christ that compels. And so if you're struggling right now to give the Lord anything or everything, it's probably because you haven't really understood or grasped the depth of his love for you. See, for Paul, his radical devotion all started because he learned how devoted Christ was to him. 
His dedicated life all began when he realized that Jesus gave up his life in dedication to him. We will develop a stronger passion for Christ when we get a deeper understanding of his passion for us. Let me ask you a question. This book right here, this Bible, do you believe that this is a book about what you're supposed to do or do you think it's a book about what he's already done for you? That changes everything. Is this a book about what you're supposed to do? Get at it. Here's your required and suggested reading. Get. Okay. Or is it not really a book about what I'm supposed to do? Is it a book about all the amazing things he's already done? I want you to read that book that that way, this book that way this week, whatever I just said. Do that. (laughs) That the day to day to do. But I want you to read the word in such a way where you insert your name in the promises. Right, where you trust and believe that God's talking about you, so you, so you put yourself in the blanks. When he rejoices over somebody, he's rejoicing over you. When he's empowering somebody, he's empowering you. I want you to enjoy God. I want you to be uh, in love with God. I want you to just uh, revel in the fact that God is so madly in love with you. You've got to enjoy him. You've got to see how devoted he is to you, and then that, like Corinthians says, will compel you to want to give more of yourself to him. So spend some time in the word this week. And focus, focus on all that he's done for you. Focus on how much he loves you. Focus on what's already been accomplished, not what you still have to accomplish. And the second thing I want you to do this week, and and I want you to try it, I want you to fast. I want you to forego food so that you can feast on Jesus. Now, we haven't talked much about fasting the last couple years here at West Bowles, and that's that's to our own shame and our own detriment because uh, it's a powerful way to increase your passion for the Lord. As we fast from food, as we give up food, We refrain from eating a meal or two or ten. What we're trying to do, what we seek to do, is feast on Jesus instead. See, the hope and goal for believers is to have God be more enjoyable than the meal we're about to have. The hope and goal for believers is to delight more in God than in our own taste buds. The hope and goal for believers is to serve God more than we serve our own appetites. And so when you fast, when you give up a meal or two, what I want to challenge you with, I want you to fast for one day this week. I want you to give up three meals, breakfast, lunch, and a dinner. And I want you to only have water or juice throughout the entire day. Because when you, when you do that, you're saying, I give these things up for you, God, so I can experience more of you, God. I want you and your worth and your beauty and your fellowship to be more compelling and more desirable than anything else. And if you know me, you know I like to eat. And I do it a lot. You, you can't tell. I don't know where it goes. I, I don't. But I do it a lot. Every day in the office, it's like, man, I'm just so hungry right now. It's like, when's, is, is it the, 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 the hobbits, right? Second breakfast and tea and dinner and so on and so forth. Right? It's like, yes. But I want those things so bad throughout the day. I want food so bad throughout the day. What I'm saying in fasting is I want that so bad, God, but I want you more. And so I'm going I'm to give that up so I can get more of you. Now, for some of us, it's going to be hard. I remember the first time when I fasted, it was like I did everything I could to just distract myself throughout the day just to get it over with. And that's okay. It was a step. But I'm hoping that when you fast this week, when you hunger for something to eat, that instead you will pray. You'll read the word. Maybe you'll serve. Maybe you'll spend some time in fellowship with the Lord just listening to him speak to you. I want you to forego food so you can feast on Jesus. And here's why. If you're going to struggle to give up a couple of meals for Jesus, you're probably going to struggle to give all your heart, all your soul all your strength and all your mind. We've got to start somewhere. So I think focusing and fasting is a place to start. Let me close with Matthew 13, 58. This is a passage that haunts me. It's like behind me as a ghost. Like, Jesus did not do many miracles in that city because of their lack of faith. He moved on past that city because they didn't believe in him. 
He didn't do the indescribable things that only he could have done because they did not dedicate themselves enough to him. I don't want that to be true for me. I don't want that to be true for us. I don't want that to be true for this church. I, wanna, I don't want to stand before him one day and have him say to me, Thomas, man, there was a lot more I had planned for you. Wes Bowles was about to, but then all of a sudden you were like, ah, I quit. Ah. Right? It's like, I'm sorry. I don't know if that's how it's going to go, but I, that's kind of how I envision it. But I don't want it to go like that. I want to get up there and be like, man, that was an incredible ride, God. That was better than any movie I've ever watched, God. That was so amazing. Thank you for your devotion to me and thank you for compelling me to be devoted to you because as I did that, I found my life and now I get to continue it for all of eternity. God has passionately given us all things, including his own son, and our hearts will never be the same. They'll never find satisfaction until we passionately give all of ourselves back to him. Let me pray that will be true for us in this church. God, thank you for this day. And I thank you for those kids who were up on this stage before because they truly are kind of this uh, object lesson for this, this sermon, God. They're up here singing and praising. They're up here shouting. They're up here proclaiming with authority and with conviction and with passion their love for you. And they're pretty excited about how much you love them. And I wonder, God, if it was kind of after a VBS week back in the first century where you didn't call the kids over and say, hey, disciples, I want you to be like these guys. Disciples, I want you to be like these little kids. The ones you saw this morning, yeah, I want you to be like them. I want you to have that same zeal, that same dedication, that same devotion. I know it's crazy. I know it will cost a lot. I know others will sneer and snirk and talk about you. I know all that. I know that will be true. I don't know what will come, but I know that you will find your life when you give it up for me. So I pray that this church, God, would focus on you this week, focus on all that you've done for us. Would your love overwhelm us? In response, God, would we sacrifice some things for you? Would we move a few steps closer to giving it all to you? Would we start by giving a few meals to you this week? Strengthen us, God, to be your people. Again, we, we pray that we will bless and transform and change this city and this state for good. Make it so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here. If you want a life-size Paul Blart movie poster, it is available to you after the service is over. Uh, don't forget your dollar in the bin on the way out so we can bless the family in need tomorrow. Have an amazing week. Stay cool. Join us for the picnic outside.